podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Get all the latest football headlines and bite-sized opinion in the brand new Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Join Mark Smith, Martin Gritton and a conveyor belt of guests as they dissect all the biggest stories in one small, perfectly formed package. Take five to ten minutes out of your day to stay up to date with everything that matters in football. Whether it's a big result from the night before, a new excuse from Jurgen Klopp, a shocker of a VAR decision or a new chapter in the ongoing Man United soap opera, we will cover it. All the latest news every weekday lunchtime on the Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Look for the Whistleblowers wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to the Chels. <sighs> Three weeks in... And I've rediscovered misery. Oh, misery. There was a song, wasn't there? The only person I know who'd know what misery sounds like, as well as looks like, is Mr. Andy Saunders. Hello, Andy. Hello, Kerry. How are you? I'm all right. Are you miserable? We, we'll get to it, but just yes or no. Philosophical, Kerry. I'm philosophical. There's no point being miserable with three games into a 38-game season. If you start to uh, get too miserable now, I think you might peak a little early. <laughs> exactly. Because it's my, uh, you know, I just, you, there's no point. I mean, we, we can be as miserable as we want. It's not what the listeners want. They want us to be incisive and insightful, you know, <laughs> rather than wallow in misery. Otherwise, you know, yeah, we might as well just go and, you know, do something else, mightn't we? So, yeah, of course, I'm cross and I'm uh, a little bit upset and it, it ruined my weekend. But, you know, let's let's look forward. It's It's very, very early days. No, exactly. It is very, very early days. That's the thing. <laughs> but that was my point, really. Three weeks in and we've discovered misery. It's quite interesting because you're right. We've got to manage it. It's just a transitional year. I'd rather be doing it now, wouldn't you? Yeah. It's a bit like when you bet on a horse race and your and your horse goes out first. You know, you know, well, I've got another four miles of this horse to stay in the front. You know, you'd rather you were slightly hanging back a little bit with a bit in the tank. Absolutely. You don't want to be out in front like gooners. I'm not gonna not gonna lose my mind three games in no. is what I'm saying. You know, it's funny. We've got some Arsenal friends of ours staying at the moment, and the first thing it did was we're top of the table. Okay, three games in. Let, oh, let's pathetic. not close. I had asked people that I know that are Arsenal fans. I'm not going to call them friends. People that I call people that I know that are Arsenal fans. What's happening me the table? Yeah. Three games in. I mean, how tragic! Is I know that? it's brilliant. It makes me feel so much better. Anyway, well, look, we, we've got a first timer joining us today because Gary, of course, has uh, gone away, and I don't mean like gone away. Although it wouldn't surprise me if he had gone away. He's actually gone to Greece, like you did, Andy. Not the same kind of place, of course. But I went to the posh Greece. Yeah, he went to the posh Greece. Gary went to Gary's Greece. So, yeah. you know, he's following the herds, as it were. Uh, yeah, we've got first-timer Louis Beneventi, YouTuber extraordinaire. Hello, Louis. How are you? Hi, Kerry. Hi, Andy. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm, um, yeah let's, let's – I wish I could be as, as calm and philosophical as Andy, but I had a Leeds fan in my face at the pub yesterday bellowing at me. So I'm uh, – yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not as in a happier mood. 
Um, I did cut his hair today, though, so that was fun. I definitely, well, definitely... That's, your, that's your first mistake, Louis, watching football in the pub with rival fans. I can't do it. I can't do that. I, I, gonna... wasn't, I wasn't with him. It was kind of so he, he recognised me from another table and we started talking. And I was like, okay, I'll be polite. I'll be nice, you know, then we'll, we'll do whatever. Third goal went and he runs up and he's just in my face. And I'm there going, I can't, I can't, can't say or do anything at this point. It's just head on the table, cry, and just, you know, try and move I on. I just stop. I stopped watching football in pubs years ago because of that. Because I just can't control myself if that happens. And that's it's just. And you don't even drink, do you, Andy? And you find it hard. No, and I'm not a violent man either. You know, but it it kind of just brings out the. You know, it just. It, I just find it infuriating watching it with other rival fans. Yeah. I take no pleasure in their happiness, and you know, and it's. I remember. I remember being with Gary actually in New York, watching a game at the Football Factory in New York. I think it was against Newcastle, and it was. Um, and it was, yeah. And and it was. It, it just basically kicked off, and I just thought this isn't this just isn't a safe environment for anybody, you know, because we're all passionate and we're all. You know, we're, we're all banging into it, and it just ended up with us all leaving because it, it just it didn't work. Yeah, it didn't work. And you just it turned can't... into a dark lord, and uh, and and watching it, you know, sort of, you know, uh, watching a game that I'm not involved in. That's fine, but if it's a Chelsea game, I can't watch it in the pub. No, fair enough. Well, well, look, Louis, would you like to tell people about what you do on YouTube and why this guy recognised you? Because you've got your own Chelsea channel, haven't you? I do, yeah. So I, I used to run for, for my sins uh, a fan channel called 100% Chelsea. Um, had a great time doing it, but you know, I thought, you know what, I'd, I'd like to try something a little bit different. So then I decided to try and run a football team, which was fun. So did that, and then uh, now I'm kind of back to I kind of make Chelsea content. But in the middle of all of that, I decided to become a barber at the same time. So I um I interview fans and, and give them a uh, give them a haircut at the same time, have a chat, have some fun. Um, and yeah, that's what I'm doing at the minute. It started again recently, so it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying it. So, were were you a barber, or did you train to be a barber? I retrained. I basically, I actually, I got bored, so it was kind of a bit like I was making content, and I was like, you know what? Like, I feel like everything's the same out there, and I'm not really adding anything to the conversation anymore. So I was like, Do you know what? I'll uh, I'll leave it for a little bit. Maybe if I, you know, find a passion for it again, and I feel like I'm bringing something to a conversation, I will. And um, yeah, I mean, after in the end, I was kind of—I literally remember it was the day I, just, I was unpacking the flat I'm in now. I'd finished unpacking. I was on the phone to my dad, and it was very much just the conversation of, "Do you know what? Screw it. Let's just—I've always had an interest in it." So I uh, cool. thought, you know what? I'd retrain and become a barber. And um, yeah, literally, I've—I've I've just done that. And then halfway through the course, kind of had a light bulb moment. I thought, do you know what? Like, might be quite cool to bring something a little bit different where I can show people some cool haircuts and actually talk a bit of football and make some really good looking content at the same time. So, you know, I've started doing that this year and it's, um, it's been a lot of fun, a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it so far. So maybe, where can maybe people, you can do, maybe you can do my hair actually when, you know, while you're at it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can do a nice little bit of maybe <laughs> a little bit off the top, but you know, we can, we can, we can cross that bridge when we come if, to it. If, if you can find it, Louis, <laughs> you're welcome to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to find the top first, but you know, that, you know what I'm saying. but yes, exactly. So, so Louis, you, you're a barber. Where, where is your barber shop? I, I do it privately. So I've, I've basically got a, a room in my flat where I just, I just cut people's hair. I was in, I was in a barber shop in West Hampstead, um, but I just do it privately now. So people want a haircut around the, the Wembley area. 
and a cup of, cup of coffee and or just something else, you know, and the coffee's good, you know, with uh, my Italian genetics, I do pick up some nice coffee. So, you know, if you just want a nice a haircut and a coffee, then, you know, I am. Fair enough. And if you, I, I have to just ask this, you said you cut the Leeds fans' hair. Yeah. I hope you did a little bit of CFC in the back of his head, which he didn't notice. No, no, no. I, I did it. Just, I left something that was almost like a little bit more annoying because he, he was, he was uh, yeah, it was I just kind of, it's one of those things where I, he wanted a, a, a like a mid-skin fade. So I just took it that little bit higher. So it was just annoying for those few more days rather than having CSC. Somebody's going to look in the mirror like, it's just a little bit high, just a little bit high. Um, it wasn't vindictive. You know, he'll, he'll still come back to my business. It was a great haircut. Don't get me wrong. But... Uh, <laughs> You slightly know, subversive. Yeah, he's we slightly like subversive. And I just, uh, he was banned from talking about Leeds. He came in the door and I said, don't talk about football. It's the one thing you cannot do today. So, <laughs> quite right. So you, you weren't else. recording that one to put out. Quite wise, quite wise. So I I suppose, and where, where can people find you on YouTube? Give them, give them so the if, details. If you just type in my name, so Louis Beneventi, um, so L-O-U-I-S, Ben, Eve is an Adam and Eve, N-T-I, um, I should come up. So, yeah, that's where you can find me. And then, uh, yeah, there's lots of other content coming soon as well. Superb. Well, there you go. We we will hopefully get to see you at some point. And maybe you could – do you do beards as well? I do. I'm very good at beards. Andy, I'm happy doing beards. There you go. May not sort the top, but can sort out your chin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, look, let's get to – the game shall we shall we shall we actually realize that we did play a game over the weekend and he's already cheered me up i was expecting andy to be oh my god and it was going to be miserable from the start but you've made me happy i'm i feel so much better thanks to andy so yes let's let's talk about leads away now we were quite cocky last week we did think this was going to be quite a nice little stroll up at Ellen Road. We'd take them apart and we'd be showing everyone just how good we are because Tottenham was just the start. But it didn't quite pan out like that. Now, Andy, when you first saw the team this weekend, were you thinking, you know what, we've got a few injuries, there's a few concerns, but this team is going to do the job. Well, I think, but I think, and it's basically unchanged apart from Conor Gallagher, wasn't it? And and I think you, you saw Gallagher and you thought, okay, that's interesting. He's getting a start. I think we all want Conor to do well. We all enjoyed his season at Crystal Palace last year. Uh, and we think he's going to be a, a long-term addition to the squad. But I have to say, without Kante, without Kovacic, I fear for the defensive qualities of our midfield because that's not Gallagher's game and it's definitely not Jorginho's game. So... That that was my concern when I saw it. Other than that, it was unchanged. Mendy and goal, back three of James, uh, Silver and Koulibaly, Cucurella and Loftus-Cheek as the wing-backs, Mount, Jorginho and Gallagher and Havertz and Sterling. So, it, 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 you know, it, you thought that would be enough, but there was, I have to say, that little concern in the back of my head about what if they run through us in midfield. And unfortunately, that that proved to be the case early doors. Yeah, and, and Louis, when, when you look at teams, do you get an idea of how you think it's going to pan out. Did you look at this and go, well, look, we pretty much dismantled Tottenham last week. We were we were unlucky with the decisions. 
refs have agreed about that. I mean, that's something we could talk about as well. Mike Dean's apology or whatever it was, retraction of bad decision. I don't quite know what it was in the end. But do you do you ever th- did you have a thought that this will be able to do the job quite happily, even though we've missed Kante? Gallagher's got that engine on him. It didn't quite pan out like that. Well, me and you had a conversation, didn't we? You gave me a bell when I was on the way to the uh, to the station, and we were kind of chatting. And I was like, do you know what? Like, we should be okay. You know, it's it's. I, I we had the same concerns as Andy. You know, like, is he going to run through the midfield? You know, is there going to be an issue with that? We thought, oh, do you know what? Like, should be okay. Obviously, always be wary. Is Leeds, um, but there was no real concerns. And then as the game panned out, you know, like, like we were saying, it's it's. I felt Gallagher just looked lost. Um, you know, when you when he looked at the shape of the team, I thought maybe it's not right. Um, and what, whilst we're in the position where maybe there's other things to look at another time, actually, that's the, not the question you're asking. But you know, I was looking at the shape and I thought that shouldn't really be an issue. You know, we, we should be it in you know relatively stable. You know, like we said, we thought Spurs was just the start. The way we were playing was really solid. Connor came on and played really, really well. So there was a balance to it. It was all like okay. You know, should should be good, um, and it was it was. It, I'm just shocked more than anything um, with how it went. Um, okay, well but, here, here's a, here's a question. Uh, well, there's quite a few questions come out of it because what you're saying about Conor Gallagher is is interesting because actually he started off so brightly and he played that pass through for for Sterling for that first opportunity and it was a mm-hmm. beautiful slide rule pass and he thought. This is going to look good. This is going to work well. And then Sterling ended up with that offside goal. And suddenly it just seemed as though that gave a bit of a tonic to Leeds before we get to the the disaster. Do you think, uh, Andy, that the brightness of the start actually lifted Leeds in a way when that disallowed goal didn't go in? And suddenly they just sat. I, I felt... Sorry for Conor Gallagher and Jorginho because it was it was not the right situation for the two of them. And I don't know what else he could have done other than maybe playing Ruben in the middle. Uh, I just I just felt as though it really was hard work after that first 20 minutes for those two in particular. And they got overrun in midfield and we didn't try and help or combat that situation. Well, I don't think it's the case of we didn't try and help them. I, I think you're right. What, what else could you do in that situation? I think, you know, Ruben Loftus-Cheek's not the greatest defender in the world, to be honest. Um, without Kovacic and without Kante, we're going to struggle. We don't have another player with the kind of defensive energy or the defensive intelligence in there that's going to stop this happening. You know, Gallagher's great if you want to turn over high up the pitch. Um, you know, and if you've got some insurance behind you you know in whether that's Kante winning it higher up the pitch and Gallagher sitting or vice versa I think those two would work very well George it's not Jorginho's game no it just isn't he hasn't got the pace for it he hasn't got the physique for it he's about we know what he's about he's about tempo being an outlet laying the ball off all, all that stuff um Gallagher's box to box but he's not defensive box to box he's a, he's he's somebody who likes to play higher up the pitch Ruben Loftus-Cheek has been a revelation at, at right wing back but you know I don't think he's any real great shakes in the middle of the park um you could have perhaps moved Mason Mount that back there a little bit um that that might have helped a little bit 
But, you know, ultimately, you know, and it's a real cliche in football, they wanted it more. They just wanted it more. They were up for it. They were aggressive. And, you know, let's not kid ourselves. If the Sterling goal had stood or the effort before that he, you know, narrowly put wide and Mendy hadn't had a complete brain fade, I think this would have been a different game. What gave them inspiration was our goalkeeper basically giving them a goal. That's what happened. Now, I'm not, you know, mistakes happen. They just happen. These people are human. You know, not all these people are going to get up and 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 coat Mendy off, you know, terribly because, you know, the only thing that you would say about Mendy, it's not the first time he's done it. No, you know, Jared I think everybody Bowen makes mistakes. and Benzema has done know, it too. I know, I know, I know. And 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 so, you know, it, it is difficult to remain calm with him, but people do make mistakes. Just stop making them. Just just get rid of the ball. And But the point is, your point, I, I don't think it is, you know, the goal was disallowed and they suddenly came to life when they came to life was when they got a goal and then they suddenly realized that they could win the game and came out as gangbusters we just didn't have the energy the aggression the wherewithal to to deal with their intensity it's as simple as that uh, louis I, I yeah i mean my my point was that set them on the path to start pressing and suddenly they changed their press and they really got into it and that mendy mistake i mean Somebody has to at the club say, just occasionally, the one thing I love about Thiago Silva is he's all dainty. He did that wonderful step over and drag back to get rid of the attacker in, in the first half. But Thiago never really messes about. He knows when he can do things like that and when he just needs to boot it out, kick it into Rosehead, kick it up the pitch. And somehow Mendy hasn't been shown when... Look, don't just go for the perfect situation for your foot. Sometimes you just got to put a boot through it and it goes for a throw. That's fine. Louis, does it concern you that Mendy perhaps isn't getting the coaching that he needs in those situations? Because it's a con- well, it's a continual mistake, isn't it? This is the third time he's done that in, in a year. And that's a bad mistake, isn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think I'd, I've been having conversations with people, rival or not, over the past few months, I'm adamant. You know, I was like, Mendy is without doubt for me, like one of the top three, four, five keepers in the world, hands down. And then yesterday, and I, guess, I don't think it's reactionary. It's kind of been something which has been niggling at me the past few months because there's been times where maybe his his saves haven't been as, as strong as they were or, you know, he, he gets a bit lucky when he, he pushes it back out into play and he doesn't collect it and he's not as strong as he was. And you're a bit like... Something's not right here. Um, yesterday's brain fade was a bit worrying. Like I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm trying not to sit and sound reactionary, but it's quite hard. Obviously, I think. Um, you know, I, I think that he he does need to get some better coaching. But I think also at the same time, the way we've played under Tuchel for the past two years, basically nearly, we have been very defensively resolute, and he he hasn't had to do a lot. You know, and I think it's almost like when when he's had to come under pressure. He, he has kind of suffered a little bit from it. Um, so I, th- I think that we just need to sort, I think it might be a mental thing more than anything with Mendy. Um, I think, you know, overall, I, th- I think, you know, it, it is just one mistake. I know he's done it a few times, but it's, it's, it is a rarity. You know, the vast period of time, you know, afterwards he then makes some fantastic saves, obviously not in this case yesterday, but you know, there's, he makes some good saves in other games. He proves his worth in other fixtures. And he is still up there. But I do feel 
the goalkeeper coaching at Chelsea has not been as good as it was for quite a long time. I think ever since Christoph Lollachon. Well, what sort do you of, mean by that, Louis? That hasn't been as good. What's missing? I just feel you've got Christoph Lollachon when he was a coach with Czech and, you know, with, with, with you know, beforehand as well. And then at the beginning of the quarter, you saw this mental resolute, resoluteness and you saw sort of the quality of goalkeeping was a lot better. I personally just don't feel Hilario is a great coach. Um, but but what? But I'm sorry, but just to, just to challenge you on that, mm-hmm. what do you base that on? You know, I mean, Czech was a world class generational keeper. Mm-hmm. You know, his it, you could you don't coach mentality. Mentality is there or it's not. You know, and I think that you know I don't understand you know why you think Lolishon and Hilario is such different. I'm just interested to know what you base that on. So I mean. So I, so I kind of, I know Christoph's daughter quite well, um, right? And you know, I've, I was, I spoke to Christoph before, and I sort of like, I was obviously read a lot because there's a lot when he when he left Chelsea, and, and since as well when he does his um, interviews, he talks about a lot of his techniques, and a lot like the top top goalkeeper coaches in world football use these techniques that. that Christopher Lodge kind of developed those weird things like with tennis balls and just working on reflexes more and all that sort of stuff. And then when when he obviously there was he was quite well reported now when he left the position at Chelsea as the goalkeeper coach when him and Courtois fell out, the level of coaching dropped a bit because you know what was like more mentality like you can't coach mentality, but I think how you deal with I don't know how I don't know how. Mendy's dealt with, you know, we, we, we don't know. We're not there on the training ground, but I think how you deal with people can bring out certain parts of mentality or, or develop certain bits better. And, you know, when I was reading, when you, I was reading about Thibaut Courtois and the coaching, it's almost like he became quite dictatorial and how the, he should be coached. And, you know, I, I, I'd like to watch Alara and sometimes I look at some of the goalkeeper drills and I'm not, I, I I just I just he just doesn't feel with confidence as a goalkeeper coach, and I don't know whether that's because he was a third choice keeper at Chelsea. And he's it I, it's just he's been about for a while, and it, it just feels like he was kind of got the job when he left because of who he was at the club and had been there a long time. Um, I, I I just feel that there, there's there's better coaches out there, um, and I I I feel I always want the best at Chelsea and. You know, in in terms of the goalkeeper coaching, I'm I'm just not fully convinced in in terms of what I've read about Hilario. Um, you know, well, look, here's a question, Andy. Andy, do you think there's also perhaps a, a point whereby we demand so much of our keepers to be good with their feet that you've got someone like Mendy, who on the whole can clear the ball, he can pass, he can get rid of but that he almost is trying to overcompensate to satisfy his manager, that he tries to do a little bit too much than perhaps he needs to. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely an element of that. I, I don't think it's a coaching issue. I, I think it's a decision-making issue. And I think that, look, we we play out, all elite teams play out from the back now. You know, you don't just lump the ball up there and hope that the big lad knocks it down and somebody runs onto it and bursts through and score. It doesn't work like that in football anymore, Not certainly not at the elite level. You know, everybody wants to play out from the back. You only have to look at who, what kind of goalkeepers the elite managers are looking for, whether it's Edison or Allison or, you know, any of these other top goalkeepers. They all play with their feet. We all know that Mendy's not probably in, in 
you know, the top, top, you know, sort of division of goalkeepers when it comes to playing out with his feet. He has other strengths. I think we're talking about one one mistake yesterday and a couple of poor decisions before. I don't think you can lay that blame at the goalkeeping coach. No, you know, no, somebody I'm, I'm has not, a break. Not... No, no let, let me finish. Let me finish. What, what I was going to say is that, you know, whether there's other technical aspects of, of what he does that you've spotted, then then fair enough. You know, you, I, I haven't seen those, but, you know, I'll, I'll be guided by you on that. But, but in terms of decision making on the pitch, that's the same for every single player, whether to, you know, whether to, to, to shoot or not shoot or pass or not pass or get rid or not get rid. You know, Jorginho, Kovacic have both been caught in possession before. Um, you know, Silva's been caught in possession. It happens to them all, ultimately. Goalkeepers are a very exposed position. And, you know, if it happens with a goalkeeper, then it tends to be catastrophic. Um, so so I think my, my point is, I don't think it's a coaching issue this particular mistake I don't think it's a coaching issue I do think there's an awful lot of pressure on goalkeepers to play out and to, and to be as good as outfield players I think that sometimes the message has to be if you find yourself in trouble get rid you know don't try and play yourself out of it you know um, see why so, can't you go so, and coach yeah, in just, that See, see, that would be great. But that's not. Coaching. That's not. It's not coaching. It's an instruction. Well, you know, instruction. It's just basically. Yeah. Well, quite. You know. Hopefully, he won't do it again. I mean, they yeah. do say, don't they? It's fine to make mistakes. Don't just keep making them. Yeah. That's that. You, no. Look, you're spot on, Andy. I, I'm just trying to make light of it because I don't want to focus on that being the sort of crux of everything. You, you know, all these kind of issues are always exposed, aren't they? When you lose a game in the way that we ended up doing uh, so uh, this weekend. So you're, you're right. I I don't think we can fixate on things. It's it's watch this space, isn't it? We don't want to see him making it happen again. The goalkeeper position has really evolved over over you know recent generations. I mean, I wonder how good Peter Benetti would have been with the ball at his feet, trying to play in this system. But everybody holds him up as being, and quite rightly, as being you know one of the greatest goalkeepers for Chelsea Football Club ever. You know, but goalkeepers are expected to have this high level of talent with their feet now, um, and it stands to reason that some of them are not going to be as good as others. So. I just think it's 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 decision making. You know that that that's what Mendy needs to be spoken to about, rather than coached. I don't think you're going to make him better. I just think you're just going to make him more aware of you know what the potential dangers are. And let's not forget, everyone used to chuck people in goal because they were no good as footballers out on the pitch. Exactly. <laughs> if you were that good, if you were that good, you'd be a striker. Exactly. Yeah, you'd be up front. Nobody chooses to go and go unless you're quite, quite strange. <laughs> like you. Yeah, I, I went and I actually did play in goal when I was about. I know you did. Yeah. Uh, lost 8-0 my first game. My parents. Because you were crap. No, because I was short. I was brilliant. But, you know. When it... I was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, we lost 8-0. Yeah, you, were... you know. It's... <laughs> I but was brilliant. Parents... We lost 8-0. <laughs> exactly. Oh, really? It wasn't me. It wasn't me. They should have made the goal smaller. That's what I'd say. <laughs> That's all. I'm saying no no more than that. I, I could have been a contender, honestly. And I had good feet. Oh, oh blimey. Well, uh, look, let, let's let's move on a, a, a little bit more because there's, a, there's another thing away from that. I mean, the second goal set piece, we've obviously not got things sorted out defensively yet. And, and that's kind of, an odd situation. We're in this really, 
difficult period of a season where you've got the transfer window open. There are people out on the pitch who know that they may not be there. I mean, I've just heard that Emerson, it looks so, has gone to West Ham this afternoon. Um, so, So things are changing all the time. So players can be coming out there and could almost be a little bit worried about getting an injury if they're thinking about moving or you know, there's all sorts of things. The side that we saw yesterday is probably not going to be the same side that ends the season. So we're in this state of flux, which has got to be hard for a manager and for the coaching team because nobody knows where they are. Andy, yes, point. Well, I was just going to say about that second goal, right? I've watched that second goal five or six times. Do you know what my conclusion of it is? Good is? header. Just a bloody good goal. Yeah, I agree. You know, I mean, there's not an awful lot wrong with the defending there. Pick the man up, one man either side of him. He just got to the ball first. I mean, every goal by its nature is a mistake. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a goal, right? I mean, we've always said that. You know, you can see the mistake in any goal that's scored. But that was a brilliant ball, a great header an unsavable angle. You know, I I don't have as much of a problem with that goal. No. Occasionally, people are going to score goals against you. That was my point about but, that. But, you know. Louis, do you not think that Tuchel makes it about the two goals because also that protects his goalkeeper? That actually says, oh, we're not defending as well as we normally did last year. Mm. And, and, and he's trying to take the pressure off Mendy, isn't he, in a way? Oh, yeah, I noticed that. I felt like because there was some comments he made off the game that were very out of character. I was, so I was a bit like, you, I could semi-tell that he was kind of sitting there trying to take the pressure off the team, almost almost like Mourinho used to, where he'd have that moment where he'd quote-unquote make it about him so that people would talk yeah. about what Mourinho said rather than look at what the team, that happened with the team. Um, but that, that, like Andy said, there's, there's not a lot wrong, and obviously there's always a mistake with second goals or, or with, with goals if, they, if they, whenever they go in. But the one qualm I have with it, and it does it does my head in because every team's doing it and it just doesn't work. I, I, I don't. It was it wasn't even pick up the man. You could because the way we were stood, it was zonal marking again, and I can't stand it. You can see the way the, it, was, it was the way that it kind of because you, you saw him make the run. Thiago so was in his his zone defending that, but obviously because the guy makes the run, Thiago was waiting for the ball to come in and trying to figure it out, and it's it's like. I just don't understand why teams continue to do it. it. It's it's something which I I really struggle with because it, it every team when you look at it, it's whenever the goal goes in with zonal marking, you automatically point to where it is and because it is zonal marking rather than following that man. The goal itself, blimey, like like what like I was saying, fantastic header. Um, but you know the way that Tuchel's deflected those comments is 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 intelligent. I think it's really good, and we're not defending. We didn't defend as well as we have. Yesterday, obviously, I'm not, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of zonal marking either. I'm a fan of a mix, a mix of marking. I think you have to have some zonal marking because you have to mark the zones. So you've got to have a you've got to have a man at the near post. You've got to have a man on the edge of the box. You've got to have a man, you know, on the six yard box. You've got you've got to have some zonal marking. Um, I didn't have so much of a problem with this particular set piece from zonal marking because. The problem with the problem if you don't have zonal marking is the variables. There are so many variables. You can't just say like you do on a Sunday. We've all played Sunday football. You can't just say pick the man up because you know they're going to have a very set. You know they're going to have a train or they're going to have you know people arriving. They're going to have a, a a well thought out, sophisticated routine normally from corners. You can't just say pick a man up. 
because there's a height issue. There's all sorts of stuff going on there. So you have to have a mix of zonal and and man-to-man marking. And I agree with you. When it's more zonal than man-to-man, I find that you can be a little bit static. I just I think in this particular case, it was all right. I think it was all right. I don't think he got that much of a run because that's often the criticism of zonal marking is the man gets a run on you. I don't think he got that much of a run. I just think it was a bloody good goal. Yeah, I agree. And and do you do you not think also there's a little bit of envy from us because all our corners yesterday were pretty much hitting the first man. I mean, Mace was not hitting the hitting anywhere that was. Useful. Mace wasn't on it yesterday. No, he wasn't. He wasn't on it. He, really he wasn't on it, and he hasn't. Yeah, he, you know, he, he can go in and out of games a little bit. I thought he was pretty much invisible yesterday. Well, it was quite. But this is the problem, isn't it? If I felt for for the midfield in particular because they nullified that and they were fighting a lost cause, they really were. So I mean, look, you could say Kai Havertz was almost as invisible as a, a Lukaku game. He, he wasn't good. No. He just wasn't good yesterday. It, you know, and and I think he, that, he couldn't even know. get involved in in an argument, as it were. I mean, you know me. I love Kai Havertz. Yeah. I, I mean, I genuinely do think he's a brilliant, brilliant player. And if we can get the best out of Kai Havertz and if we can play to his strengths um, and, and find players around him, we can build a team around Kai Havertz because I just think he's a brilliant, brilliant player. But he was completely lost in that game. I think the whole front unit was completely lost. Um, you know, I thought Sterling started brightly, faded throughout the game. And when, when, you, when you're relying on substitutions like Pulisic and Ziyech to win you the game, you know it's over. Yeah. Um, you know, those, those players are good enough and talented enough to make things happen. And we haven't made things happen this season yet. What do you think, Louis? Um, what do you think of that summation of Havertz and and the forward players that it's it's just not working out? And Ziek, let's face it, he's in Amsterdam by seven o'clock. Mm, I, I, I don't think we play to... Well, I think that with Kai Havertz, we don't play to his strengths, definitely. I don't think we found his position. I, I don't think no, he is a, think a, right. a false nine. I, I don't think that, you know, obviously last season he looked good there. There was a fluidity to how he played. Um, when obviously Lukaku wasn't playing, he was there instead. Or, you know, there was there was opportunities where I think, yes, in the Spurs game, I don't think he was great, but he linked up the play. But then obviously he didn't have the, the centre-forward play in the first half when maybe that physicality could have caused us to get an extra goal, which might have meant that the, the two Spurs goals didn't matter when we were, we were dominating. Um but then obviously, you know, I think Sterling, like we've already said, you know, he was just unlucky almost. Like if the game would have been very, very different if those, if he had maybe hadn't strayed offside or that first opportunity he had in the first couple of minutes had gone in. So, you know, we, we could have been a very, very different situation. But I, I don't know. I was thinking about this last night. I was thinking, like, I, I'd be interested to see a change of shape or have a, it'd be nice to have like a, a more, always, always wants to develop our plan B a bit more because the beauty of like us playing this three back at the minute. If I compare it to when we played it under Conte, under Conte, it was three back or nothing. There was no real plan B, I felt, whenever we were playing that way. But then sometimes Tuchel does change it where you do, we do have a bit, we have a bit more mid, of a midfield overload or, you know, we do have two guys up front. He went, four, he went four at the back, didn't he, in the second half? Yeah, yeah, but this is it. So I, I, I think we, and we did look, I thought we looked slightly better, but obviously not, not amazing. I'd love to see maybe like a, a four triple two, or but obviously we need the assets to do that. Maybe we do need maybe a centre forward. I couldn't tell you who because personally I don't want a Bamiyang. Um, I don't feel I think he'd, he'd be good for a few months, but then I, I just I worry about his the personality that he has, and I always look at 
how Arsenal ended. And he is a very Arsenal ending in terms of how that player soured. And I don't I don't want that where with us. You know, I feel like we've got a very good thing going. But you know, I I'd love to see maybe two guys up front. Like Bro, I'd love to see Brozier maybe with Sterling is just playing off him, or and then we play with maybe Mount and Gallagher or Mount and Havertz as like two number tens almost, like four triple two. And then you have two defence midfielders. If again, this is a dream with a fully fit squad with like maybe Kovacic and Kante sitting, and you know, I'd love to maybe see if we could try that. But you know, isn't that how we ended the game though yesterday? Lurie? We ended with a four triple two, didn't we? I thought, I thought that that's what the system was at the end. No, that's what I thought. I mean, that, that that's what came across. I, I thought it was looking more like um, a like a, a four three three almost. But I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, I think it was a fluid. He is quite fluid, isn't he? Yeah. You know, he is one of these things. You start off with a three. When we're defending, it becomes a four. Quite like him for that. I like the fact that mm. there's a fluidity in the, in the tactical. My problem with Havertz, I think, is that I think he's better when he's when he's playing deeper yeah, because he's better with the ball. He's ball. He's better with the ball in front of him. And I think the position that we're asking him to play at the moment is not with his back to goal, but attacking the ball in tight spaces. And I, I just don't think that's his game. I like it when he gets his head up because he's deceptively quick mm. and deceptively strong. And I think that if you can get the ball into him you know a quarter of the way into the opposition half and let him run with it he makes things happen and I just don't think that nine position he's done it bravely and he's done it you know with with good grace and he's had some success with it but I do think we need a striker you know I'll take a bat yang for a couple of months I just want some goals Louis yeah you know I'm not so worried about the uh you know about about the um the personality thing because I think that's on Arsenal I mean anybody that's watched all or nothing realizes that Arteta's a twat and you know and <laughs> And you know his whole his whole management style is basically guys, please like me, you know. And Aubameyang, I think, probably saw through him and thought he was a twat. And and that's what that's where it's come from. Um, you know, Aubameyang hasn't caused problems at Barcelona. Aubameyang didn't cause problems at Arsenal beforehand. He caused problems at the end of it. How much is that is down to Arteta? Because watching that program, it seems everybody was going, can you guys not get in a room and talk and just like bang your heads together and have a chat? And Arteta was going, no. And then he left. Yeah. You know, and I don't know. I mean, it's a bit like the goalkeeping coach. None of us are there. None of us know what happens. None of us are actually in those discussions, you know, albeit with the fisheye lens on the room in the dressing room and in those documentaries. Nobody really really knows what happens. You know, if Aubameyang can come in and bang 20 goals in, I'll take him, frankly. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, you've just actually... But I'll take your point, Louis. I'll take your point. You know, if, you know, anybody that turns up in, in those cars wearing those clothes, I mean, you've got to have a few suspicions about. But, you Even know, you I will don't... definitely... I'll take the goals. Even Listen, you don't wear clothes like goals, that anymore, Andy. No problems. Hey, let, let me tell you, I've seen Andy wear check and stripes on the same day. That's a lie. It's not a lie. I've got the photo somewhere. <laughs> uh, anyway, I think there's a new name for Arteta, isn't it? Mikel Artwata. I think that yeah. might be more like it. So Still look, prefer- we, we, he's, just, he's, just so, he's just so he's just so needy. He's just so and needy. I, I love the way he swears as well all the time. And and it, it's like you gotta be really good. You must be good. It's like begging and imploring. Please stop being so crap. You know, it's just, please like yeah. me. Please like me. Uh, I, yeah. So him, him and Vincent Company, because there's a clip that went around of Vincent Company was at Anderlecht, 
they both have the substitute teacher vibes, which I really, I really like. It's, yeah. it's, it's when they're in there and it's like, guys, come on. And we all kind of sat there going, well, that's not my seat, sir. I actually sit over there. You know, this is this is where <laughs> I am. You know, we haven't got a seating plan anymore. So, you know, it's like, yeah. it's, it's I don't know. But I mean, Mikel Artois works, but he, he does still look like the bloke out of Captain Scarlet. So I, I will. <laughs> he is he is the Mysterion. That is what he always be to me. Yeah, uh, and you know, look as though someone's cut his strings as well. But uh, well, well, look. I mean, to be honest, if, if I had a manager that was coming in and and writing, you know, things like my day to day, and then a diagram on it during the, you know, the pre the pre game warm up talk, I'd I'd get a bit cross and go to Barcelona as well. I think. Well, I mean, all that kind of cod psychology nonsense. I mean, it's just. You know, it's like Guardiola light, isn't it? It's rubbish. Well, I mean, and Guardiola is kind of rubbish in his own way in the yeah, City documentary. But, but yeah, he does. Well, look, we should just cut to the break because we're a little bit late for that. But let's cut to the break and we'll be back in a second. And we're back. So, so yeah, I mean, there's one other thing I wanted to talk about before we got sidetracked by Arsenal, who, as we know, are top of the table. Well done, Arsenal. Where will you be in about 38 weeks? Yeah, please WhatsApp me the table, Arsenal fans, after three games. Yeah, and and Louis, but don't do it to me. I'm not interested. It's those two that want it. Um, the, the last point I wanted to make about habits is, are we getting concerned that we are going to damage him as a footballer, that we are going to take him out of the zone of the footballer we know he can be by continually playing him in this position. And I know I've asked it before. Let me ask Louis this question. Are you worried about it? Then we'll come to you, Andy, because I know you'll have something to say about this. Louis. I think there is still a player in there for sure. And I very much think if we if we if we sold him tomorrow, it's not going to be back to Leverkusen. It'll be a Real Madrid. It'll be a Bayern Munich. And I think that like like Andy was saying, he, he's done that number nine role admirably, but it's not his best, it's not his strength. But then at the same time, where do you play him? Because I, I we 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 need to completely change the shape. And but it's a tough one. We we got we got. I think the core, our core is quite young, which is what I like. So we have we do have the ability to change it to make it that bit more cohesive and try something different. I'm not sure we'll damage it because I think because he's done the role so admirably, he's proven and he proved proved it by Leverkusen as well. He is so he can be deployed in so many different positions. You know, he, he can do so many different things. And it's almost like another string to his bows. You know, if we if he is in another team, you go, okay, well, you can do that if we need you to. Obviously, not what you're best at, but we we can do that. But we didn't play pay so much money for a, you know, what was considered. And, you know, I think potentially could still be a, one of, a, a generational talent, you know, to make him a utility player. I, th- I think we need to try and figure out what the best is for Kai Havertz for him to to thrive and show us what he can do because you've seen what he can do so many times. I just want him to be able to do it more. Yeah, I, that that is kind of my point. When I say damage him, that we're stopping him being this player we know he can be. Andy, we, what are your thoughts? 
Uh, look, Louis, absolutely right. We didn't play all this money for him to be a utility player. Brilliantly put. You know, that's absolutely true. You know, you, you you've you've signed a, you know, you've signed a Lamborghini. You don't turn him into a Vauxhall Corsa. You know, it's it's he's a brilliant, brilliant player. The other thing I will say, he's twenty three years old. You're not going to damage a twenty three year old player. You know what you need to do is put the right team around him to give him the right teammates to play with i mean let's be honest how many of these expensive players that we bought that were supposed to be the kind of counterpoint to what he does have failed pulisic ziek you know the list goes on of these players that were supposed to be you know the runners that were going to allow him to sit a little bit deeper and, and play his football these players have not delivered. And I don't think that's on him. I think it's on them. You know, he, I think, is really, you know, he he's ready to go. And I think that he's got he's got everything. He's got great feet. He's an elite header of the ball. He's got a brilliant football brain. He's a leader. You know, his physicality now from when he started is I think it's on point now. I think put the players around him. I think Sterling's a great addition to the squad for him. I think that's why you need someone who can score goals. Take the pressure off him for scoring goals and let him assist because why we signed him was that his assist record was insane when he was in in Germany. And I think that, you know, give him an opportunity to playmake and to, you know, to create things and to make things happen and to do things that other players can't do. Damage him? No, not in a million years. But put a team around him that's worthy of him. I know that's overstating it, you know. Yeah, I know it's not what you all mean, about yeah. him, but 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 put some players around him that will complement what he can do, I think. And I think what you said a little bit earlier. Um, actually sums it up. We want him in a position where he's got the play in front of him. That's where he makes a difference. That's when he can do wonderful things, whether it's running onto the ball, whether it's giving the ball to runners. I think the system and the players that have been placed for that, as you said, have failed him. And I think that's an important thing. I worry the way the people talk about it, that, oh, he's anonymous. Well, he's anonymous because he needs teammates who understand what he can do for them and be able if to If you tell play. Kevin De Bruyne to play in the position that Kevin uh, that, that Kai Havertz is, you'd have exactly the same problem. Well, he played you know, as a false said, nine for City and wasn't very good, if you remember. Well, that's my point. Exactly. If you said to, Ke- uh, to, to, to Kevin De Bruyne, go and play in the penalty area, go and go and sit around the edge of the 18-yard box and, and, and play essentially you know, parallel to the play, as opposed to with the ball in front of you, he'd be a very different player. I think if we move Kai Havertz back, put the ball in front of him, allow him to get his head up and allow him to create things, you'll see a very different player. Yeah. And I think, you know, you're not going to damage him, but you might waste him. Yeah. Well, that's kind of damaging for us. That's where the damage is. It's for us. So please, can we just sort out the situation with Kai Abbott's? I think the beauty of the situation, sorry to interrupt for week, obviously before we move no, on, cool. my brain's been worrying with it. The beauty, I think the positive situation that we're in now is it's a new start. I think we've mentioned all these players. We've mentioned, you know, Ziesh. Uh, Pulisic, you know, we can maybe put Timo Werner in there. Definitely put Lukaku in there. Definitely put Timo Werner in there. Our recruitment process over the past three or four years, maybe even longer, hasn't been great. That's because we've had so many different managers. Right now, we've got a new owner who wants to back the manager, who wants to, obviously, he's taken over this board director, but he's already understood and learned that he wasn't making the right moves. So he's looking at a Michael Edwards, who's helped Liverpool do so well. You know, we're we're actually looking at creating a structure. And the beauty of what we've got now is this is a fr- this is a fresh start for everybody. 
It's it's something completely new. So now if we make the right steps, you know, like we're talking about dropping Kai Havertz deeper, if we then look at it and go, you know, what we say mindset is the same to build a team around him. But with the players that we've got, you know, Reese James, Kai Havertz, Mason Mount, Connor Gallagher, obviously he's very early doors for him, but you know, someone who's gonna be around could be around for a long time. You know, Raheem Sterling we brought in to be part of that process. If we build a team around these players and play to the strengths that we have, like we're saying, we're missing a playmaker. Kai Havertz is that. You know, we we bring in the right player. We have the right recruitment. This team will be fantastic, but we just need to put those tools in place. And it's gonna. It's not. We, I feel personally that with the way the takeover happened, obviously we are three, four, five weeks behind the other clubs in terms of our recruitment process, because they've had it already implemented. Give it that time, have the same conversation in a year's time. We can see if we have grown and we have matured, but we have to build it around these teams and uh, around these players, sorry, and, and just see how it develops and learn our lessons, which I hope we have done. Yeah, and uh, there's, uh, there's somebody you mentioned there that I, I do want to talk about, and we're getting close to the end of the programme, so we we should try and wrap it up. But there's there's big discussions to be had, as we are seeing. Reese James, is this, and it's a discussion that people have been having for a while now, is he being wasted, like Kai may be, by being in the back three? Now, Kate, okay, we haven't got a lot of players, but when you see him suddenly across the halfway line, Reese James just changes everything. He is different gravy. And I really want to see Reese James unleashed. Yeah, he can defend. Yeah, he can run around. Yeah, he can tackle. Yeah, he can cover space. Fantastic. But there is no one quite like him going forward as a wing back, as an attacking force, as a person who can cross the ball. He and, and Chilwell and Cucurello by the looks of it, are the three players we know can cross a ball. And we lose something when Reese James is having to be held back. What do we think about that? Uh, who should we go to? Andy, I think. Yeah, of course. Of course you want to see Reese James at wing back. He's the best right wing back in the world. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, he's a much better defender than Trent Alexander-Arnold, and he's got a lot more power than him as well. I think Trent's a, you know, an absolute generational crosser of the ball, but Reese just gives you so much more, and as well as as well as being able to decently cross it and burst and score and do all those other things as well. Of course, you want to see him at right wing back. He's doing a job at the moment while we hopefully tie up the Fafana deal, and then when we get Koulibaly back from his red card, then we might be able to uh, to do something about it. You know, but you know it, it is an issue at the moment. You know, we know from last season how much of a massive loss losing James and Chilwell was, and how it changed our season. So yeah, of course, I don't think there's any argument with that yeah louis how much do we need to work at that and how annoying is koulibaly who needs to wise up it was such a pointless red card i mean the yellow card you could say well okay they were bursting through see why he took that yellow but when you're three nil down and the only thing that can happen is a second yellow and you're going to be banned for the next game when we've got problems with our defenders Koulibaly, and also we wanted to see this whole idea of the three with Cucurella behind Chilwell. It messes everything up, doesn't it, Koulibaly? And your thoughts on Reese? Yeah, I think Koulibaly, it's unfortunate. Um, the past couple of games, you, you, there was moments where he didn't, he didn't get caught, he, he recovered, but you saw the fact he's getting used to England a bit more. 
you saw him kind of struggle a bit with the pace, go, oh, right, shit, I need to get back here, right, okay. And he recovered and he got there, but then he got caught in this game. And, you know, I think Leeds is a tough one. They're a tough customer because they're at that in-between stage. You can tell that last season, Jesse Marshall openly said, you know, I'm not going to change too much from what Bielsa did. I'll tone it down, but there's a, you know, a plan there. And he got caught out with a team on a high press in the Premier League. So, you know, we're in that position now. We need to deal with it. Um, with Reese, he's absolutely wasted at right centre-back. I, I, I understand why we play in there sometimes. And obviously, you know, when when Dave would play there sometimes, you get this whole inversion thing and he goes a bit further up the pitch that would ask me look at when he'd make the cross in from deeper. And Reese has been doing that. But Reese is just so much better at right wing-back. Like everything Andy has said is right. You know, he, he is one of the best right wing-backs in the world, if not the best. No, he walks into any team in that position for me. And, you know, we I think he's just so wasted there. I I am, I think, against the grain in the person where I feel that I think Fofana is a ridiculous deal. I would not pay £95 million for him, which is what's being touted. Hey, it's not your money. Why do you care? It's not exactly. your money. <laughs> because I don't want to stand up with another Harry Maguire situation. I think I've got this. Yeah, but look, I'm, I'm serious about that though, right? I, I, I'm always, I, look, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm honestly, I'm not having a pop, right? But no, no. when people turn around and go, I don't want to spend 95 million, it's like, it ain't my money. It's like, if he wants to spend 95 million, that's cool. You know, it's like, I I, I think he's a brilliant player for Farner. Do you not like the player or do you not like the fact that he's so expensive? I don't like how he's so expensive. I think there's a fantastic player in there, but you're paying a world record fee for a player that's not done it in the Champions League isn't the first choice for his country. It's coming back off the back of a double leg break, which is a bit like, oh, Christ, okay, like we don't know what player we're getting there. And he's so young and hasn't... I don't think he has the pedigree to pay that fee. Do you know what I mean? Like, you pay, you look, you pay a world record fee for a world-class defender with a proven track record. Obviously, there's, there's no doubt we've probably already gone to knock on PSG's door and gone, is Marquinhos available? Or, you know, is Kempembe available? Which we already have. He's not world-class. But, you know, these players have a bit of pedigree. And they've gone, yeah, no, sorry. So we're now looking at it going... Right, okay, we're in a bit of a pickle here. And then we were but then we were also looking at a player like Delict, who has a bit more pedigree than Fafana. And we were I'm in an R and other paying 70 million. So you're kind of set we're now I feel like we're yeah, paying the I don't, think, I, I don't think we were ever gonna get Delict. He was always gonna go to Bayern. I agree. You know, I mean I think that that that's the thing about uh, and again, this is the other thing about about you know, it's a bit like we're not in a dressing room. Yeah. We're not in those negotiations. Supposition. And Chelsea, Chelsea fans. I'm not saying you, but you know, a lot of Chelsea fans would go, "Oh, we should have got delict." It's like, well, what if he didn't want to come? Oh yeah, obviously, it's, just, it's not. It's not as simple as didn't that. want to come. You know what I mean? It's like, and I think the thing about Fafana is, I don't. I personally, and you know, I can understand why people do. Personally, I don't get hung up on the money because a, it's not my money, and, and b, you know, better people than me have scouted it and looked at it and had a look at it and think that, and think that it's right, you know. And um, and Fafana is, I think, one of those one of those players that people are saying in two or three years' time. And bearing in mind, defenders don't really hit their peak until they're 27 28 you know he could be worth double that you know and i think that there is a sort of an investment element to those players as well if it doesn't work it doesn't work you end up with harry Maguire. Um, but if it does work you end up with a you know world-class player that's six in your defense for the next 10 years you know so i think i can see both sides yeah. of it and you know and i'm certainly wouldn't sneer at people saying why pay a world price world record price and put the pressure on the player and all that kind of stuff but you know frankly we need a really really good defender and he's a really really good defender so if uncle todd wants to put his hand in his pocket fill your boots mate. yeah absolutely and there is something else about the Fafana deal one 
We could have ended up with Harry Maguire. Apparently, there was an inquiry. <laughs> with Harry Maguire. That's, you know, the, that's the nightmost scenario. I'll spend any money to make sure we don't end up with him. Q six months' time when he's a Chelsea player. We go, he's a legend. He should have the 26, but it's not going to happen. But the other thing about Fafana, does it matter if we end up spending 10 million more than we, we're trying to spend? Because you you hit the nail on the head there. We're hoping that this is a player who's going to last us possibly for another 10 years at Chelsea. Well, that's only a million a year. It's a bargain. Just just get somebody bought. We know we cannot survive with the defenders we've got in the system we want to play. We need somebody. Fafana, as I've said, Leicester mates of mine have all said he is absolutely an incredible player. When we watch him play in our Leicester side week in, week out, when he's not got a double leg break, He's got something about him. They all say it. They they all say. Well, you got. I mean, you live up there yeah. anyway, so you speak to him all the time. Yeah. I got a Leicester mate. He's like a home and away Leicester supporter. He said, "I'm more gutted about Fafana going to you." They Orlando all say that. Kante yeah, absolutely. Than, than Kante. He said, "Kante, you know, fair enough. You know, it, it was. You know, he's a brilliant player." But he said, "They they're more upset about Fafana coming to us than Kante." Yeah, which I think says something. If you're a Leicester fan, and, you know, so. but they all get it because they go, "He is that good." Well, look, we yeah. we are just about out of time here. Um, so I'd just like to say, are you two friends on, on social media? Because you seem to have the same opinions and thought processes. I, th- I hate everybody on social media. <laughs> I like everybody in real life. <laughs> in real life, I'm really nice to people. Yeah, I, mean, me, 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 I, just... me, I remember me, me and Andy had a run-in a few years ago on Twitter. But that's what did we? <laughs> But I think is that is that because I did my parody of people that do uh, that do uh, video blogs. Oh yeah, no, but I loved made... it. That was funny. I really enjoyed that. Every okay. I, those those I, I I could see the humour in it. Some people didn't, but I, it was we um, no. Yeah, no. I think I think we do follow each other. Um, yeah, we do. I follow you. Uh, look, uh, the thing about the thing about social media is it's not real life, is it? It's an alter ego. It's your it's your it's your internal dialogue. It's your internal monologue. You know, and I think that you know sometimes that 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 skews the kind of the relationships you have with people. Normally, whenever I meet anybody who you know who I follow on social media or who follows me, uh, you know, it's it's a good experience. I've had very few bad experiences of meeting people that I follow or don't follow on social media. You know, because people are people, and there's all you know. Everybody's got a bit about them, haven't they? So yeah, yeah, yeah. just got just Part got Terry. No, so, Terry. No, quite yeah, right. Well, that's because I'm me. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to draw this loving the Andy and and Louis loving is going to be drawn to a close now because I can't. I'll tell you what, I like Kerry. I like I like people with passion, and I like and I like people that you know that you know when 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 they commit to something they're really passionate about it and they're open about it and you know clearly Louis you're you're a very passionate fan and you know you've got passionate opinions and you know that's what's not to like about that. I mean that's why we all love this game is that it's a brilliant game of opinions and obviously all my opinions are right and most people's are wrong but I love people with their opinions. You know it's great. It's a good thing to have. Not Kerry's obviously <laughs> but you know excellent or Gary's right look uh, can we just <laughs> mute Andy for the next seven or eight years please um and uh, well look we are just about out of time all i can say this has been actually an uplifting show i feel so much better after a three nil loss so thank you andy 
Thank you, Louis. Three games in. Don't lose your mind. Three games in. 35 games to go. It's a long old season. Long way to go, yeah. You know, only have to look at Man City yesterday. Only have to look at, you know, some of these other teams that are struggling at the moment. Takes a while. Let Leeds have their cup final. You know, they've got 35 games before they get relegated. Absolutely. It's going to make it even more appetising when we smash them next year up there. Because we will. Right. Okay, Louis. Absolutely fantastic to have you on the show. We haven't missed Gary at all. It's been superb. Uh, so thank you for your opinions. Don't forget, if you need a haircut, get onto, onto social media. Go check out Louis. Go and check his YouTube uh, channel out. And we will all be back next week. Thank you, Louis. Thank you, Andy. And um, Oh, no, we'll be back at the end of the week to discuss the Leicester game. It'll be the three of us again. It'll be more of a loving. Superb. Can't wait. Cheers, everyone. Come on, you blues. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.